we've seen a lot of investors re-examining that low vol exposure and potentially using that as a way to provide that growth as economies do reopen. Welcome to Views from the Desk, a special edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. In these timely episodes, we provide the latest investment news and expert commentary on the markets, the economy, and investing. Brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management. The big news in Canadian markets this week is the Rogers and Shaw Communications deal, signaling further optimism about an economic reopening. In today's episode, Portfolio Managers Chris McKinney and Matt Montemuro, along with your host Mark Rays, discuss what this means for investors and also offer solutions to hedge against inflation. Before we hear from our experts, please consider subscribing to Views from the Desk on your preferred podcast platform. And for many more ETF insights and resources, visit the Canadian ETF dashboard at bmoetfs.ca. Hello and welcome to the BMO Global Asset Management Weekly ETF Insight Call. We're joined today by our team of experts. I'm your host, Mark Reyes, head of product for BMO Game Canada, covering ETFs and mutual funds. I'd like to thank everyone for joining us today. We certainly appreciate your time. Our guests today, our experts, are Matt Montemiro and Chris McKamey, both portfolio managers on our ETF desk. Matt focuses on fixed income, while Chris focuses on equity and derivative strategies. This week, the big news is the Shaw-Rogers proposed deal, which has certainly dominated headlines. Uh, While Shaw is a smaller weight in the TSX composite, it is a larger weight in our low-vol ETF, ZLB. So can you comment on that deal? And considering the good timing for us, uh, give us an update on low-vol performance as well, as we've certainly seen recent outperformance in ZLB. Thank you. Sure, and as you say, that's uh, the, the news has sort of dominated the Canadian uh, business headlines over the last day or two um, with a deal that sees Rogers buy Shaw for, I think it's $26 billion in total. Um, it'll be interesting to see how or if, if this deal closes. I think largely it will. Um, there's, I think there's about a year until the proposed um, closing of this deal, but it will be um, reviewed by, by multiple regulators. I think um, in terms of businesses, you know, the, the wireline to home business that Rogers has um, in Eastern Canada um, is very complementary to what Shaw has in, in Western Canada. And that's, you know, again, home internet um, and, and home phone lines and things like that. Where the deal gets a little interesting is more in the wireless space. You know, Rogers, obviously a national provider of, of wireless services through multiple brands, really. They have, I think, three different brands that they offer wireless service under. And, and Shaw has the Freedom mobile brand as well. They're the fourth largest provider. So anytime, um, you know, in what is already an oligopoly, this wireless um, industry in Canada, anytime two of those providers come together, um, certainly, it will be looked at by the regulators from a competition point of view. So um, there is some speculation this could actually potentially increase competition by, by having the regulators force um, cellular wireless providers to, to allow smaller companies to 
piggyback on their networks in the same way that's already allowed in, in that home wireline business. Think of those smaller internet service providers you might know of. Um, that's what happens in the wire the wireline business, but in the wireless business, that's not um, available here in Canada. And so there, we'll, we'll see how the, the uh, CRTC and, and other regulators take a look at this and if there is anything they, they force uh, out of this deal. But um, largely, it is expected to go through, maybe not completely as is, but, but close to um, the proposed terms. Certainly, the markets uh, liked uh, the announcement of that deal with Shaw um, moving up significantly to close to that, that purchase price, but also Rogers stock um, getting a nice boost as well. And that's, that's pretty rare in the M&A space. Usually, you see one uh, of the two companies go up in value and the other stock tends to take a hit. Um, and so this looks like a win-win for both companies in terms of the initial uh, reaction to the stock prices. And as you say, good to see both of these companies with, with decent representation in our low vol ETF ZLB. Uh, both of those companies at around a 2% weight um, in, in, the, uh, in the ETF. And really, this is starting to put Spotlight back into the low vol space and into those sectors um, that tend to be um, overweight within the low vol funds, such as the communication services space or you know, looking at some other areas, consumer staples, utilities, tend to be those, those overweight sectors within low vol um, ETFs. I think for most of 2020, um, the growth theme, you know, those internet companies, um, those tech companies, um, and the growthier type of stocks dominated headlines for most of 2020. Um, but Lowball still played its part, you know, while it did provide a, a decent level of return, certainly not the, the level that those growth stocks um, provided. It, it did its part on the risk side, and that's what this, these funds are supposed to do. It's low volatility, and so it's controlling risk, um, whether that was through the March drawdowns or, or any other hiccups um, that we did see throughout 2020. Lowball held its own in that regard. Um, but what we've seen that you've alluded to in the in recent months is on the return side, um, low vol ZLB in particular starting to um, to provide that return element as well. And this um, you know this merger certainly will help that also. Um, I think it speaks to the idea that you know I think most investors understand uh, recovery and economic growth is well underway. You know reopening. Um, of economies is, is in the near future, but this is going to be an uneven type of thing. Um, you know, reopening will happen, but it's not like a switch um, is, is flipped and all of a sudden the economy is back to normal. And so there will be bumps along the way and having an exposure to, you know, these sort of, let's call them again, more boring type companies, Shaw, Rogers, other telecoms, communication services, consumer staples. Um, these are the companies that will continue to do well uh, maybe not blowing the lights out, but we'll continue to do well throughout even an uneven sort of economic recovery. And so we've, we've seen a lot of investors re-examining that low vol exposure and potentially using that as a way to um, provide that growth as economies do reopen in a more even fashion um, than, than some of the other type of funds that are out there. Great. Well, thanks for that, Chris. And I don't know if I could call Shaw boring this week. Certainly uh, put a jump there, which reflects through to the low ball ETF set I'll be. Next, let's let's turn to the market more in general. Uh, we've, got, we've got things trading just really below those recent highs uh, that have been that have been pushing forward last month. 
Can you introduce another one of our innovation ETFs, ZINT, which which invests in next generation internet innovation? And while it does hold some of those new economy growth names that we've been talking about, it also includes a number of mature companies like Microsoft, Visa, or MasterCard. Thinking of those together and maybe a bit more of the stability that comes with that, from the growth side, can you comment on the prospects for artificial intelligence and how that plays into this ETF and you know, tied into how advisors might be then using these types of thematics uh, in portfolios? Thank you. Sure. And the ZINT, as you mentioned, provides exposure to next generation internet uh, innovation. And I think when people think about next generation internet, you know, right away you think about that 5g wireless technology um, and what that might mean you know it's really a lot more than just faster speeds on your cell phone you know it's it's great if we can download a video a little quicker onto our phone Um, but really that next generation internet element is really about the amount of not just people but things and devices that are going to be connected and are connected to the internet going forward and how that's really going to, to change society overall. Think about, um, you know, cloud computing, everything moving into the cloud, um, not just, um, you know, your photos that you can see from any device because they're in the cloud, but also technology and applications themselves moving into the cloud. Um, You know, if you think about the video game industry where, you know, consoles are still very, very popular, um, but increasingly you're seeing people, um, you know, running games entirely off um, the internet. And so think of that in, in multiple different industries and how that might play out. And also think about the infrastructure that's required to, to build out these capabilities. So the company's building that infrastructure, but then also everything, you know, as we move to more digital, um, you know, whether that's payments, technology, digital interactions, that creates, you know, a digital footprint along the way as well. And so it creates this huge amount of data And so to your question on artificial intelligence, how do we use that data to better inform our ideas, to better inform how we interact and and make these um, technologies work even better than they do already? And so, you know, companies like Microsoft are at the forefront of that. And I think Amazon as well, um, how to to use the data that's being accumulated um, around the world really and use artificial intelligence to better interpret uh, what that is and, and, you know, it's not just necessarily about privacy. Um, this is that big, big level um, sort of data. And so u- utilizing that data to create products and services, um, but also take what we're already doing and, and make that much more efficient. Um, you mentioned Visa and MasterCard as well. And, and, and that relates to, you know, digital payments, e-commerce. And we've seen obviously that accelerate over the last year or so, that, that adoption of e-commerce. But that's obviously going to just continue growing over the next several years and so you know this is a a trend you know we call it a mega trend um, that will play out over the next several years but of course that growth is not going to be even it doesn't happen in a straight line and so you need a lot of the larger companies when you're creating an investable solution um, you need a lot of the larger companies in there to provide a little bit of that stability but also ensure that um, you have enough diversification that going forward if this is a buy and hold for you um, you want to make sure you have the winners in there as well. You know, obviously we don't know how this is going to play out over the next several years. And so I think that diversification element is key um, from an investment standpoint. 
um, in terms of how advisors and investors are using it, it really is that long-term growth element. And so as advisors and investors are building their portfolios, um, you know, thinking about, um, you know, the different needs and the different objectives you have for your investments. And for those that want that long-term growth element, um, putting something like the ZINT into that growth sleeve, into that growth bucket um, as a buy and hold. And again, holding that for the intention of holding it for several years as, as these trends play out over the long term. And utilizing really, you know, the, the, the indexes um, that we use, you know, MSCI for all of our uh, mega trend and innovation themed ETFs creates a nice, really investable and risk controlled uh, exposure that investors can, can hold on to uh, for the long term. And again, make sure that diversification is a key element of that. So you're not just buying one or two stocks that, you know, look, look good today, but might not be the winners in the long term. And so again, holding a, a broader array of companies, those large cap companies, I think are, are an important element of that to keep the, the risk uh, under control um, and also be able to hold that as a, as a buy and hold over the long term. Great. Thanks for that, Chris. And I think the key there really is that diversified approach, but still capturing uh, that growth expectation that advisors are looking for. So, Matt, I'm going to come your way now. Uh, we've been seeing the 10-year yields climb a bit higher again this week. Um, and this is just bringing in more interest in our conversations around ZBBB uh, because of the unique pickup, of course, from the B bonds but as well from the lower duration of around four and a half years, as of course it follows a one to 10 year index. So can you give us your outlook for ZBBB and discuss why advisors are intrigued by this as a fixed income satellite? As you do so, can you contrast it a bit to the full corporate market, uh, which of course we represent with our ETF ZCB? Thanks, Matt. Yeah, absolutely, Mark. So you know, we've we definitely seen that trend of, of rising rates continue from February into March. And, you know, I think bond investors have started to, to scramble as to find ways to protect themselves from this you know, challenging environment that we, we kind of face right now. You know, 10-year yields surpassed 160 this week. The 30-year yield broke past 2%. So, you know, we're on this, uh, this path of a very steep uh, yield curve with, with with yields continuing to increase. So you know, right now we we do expect short term rates to be locked in by the Bank of Canada and the Fed. You know, so I think investors right now are just waiting to see. You know, will the Fed say anything today? You know, I personally don't think uh, the Fed or the Bank of Canada is going to make any sort of definite actions to prevent uh, or slow down the uh, the rising of rates. So. You know, I think what we need to do, as you mentioned, is is look for ways to complement our core fixed income, and look for products that can help protect ourselves from from these rising rates. So I, I do think that this, uh, you know, the, this this trend of rising rates it leaves us with a steep yield curve in an environment that I think rates can continue to go higher. So as you look for protection, I would look for protection in two ways. I would look to add corporate exposure, and I would look to reduce your overall portfolio duration. So, you know, adding that corporate overweight to your core fixed income, so your ZAG uh, holding, I think that'll provide uh, some protection from rising rates from the start. Credit continues to outperform 
uh, and that's we've seen that trend since March. And credit spreads overall still remain wider than pre-COVID levels. So there still is room for some further spread compression, and there's value here in adding corporates. So when I'm looking to decide how to allocate, you know, that corporate satellite, that 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 corporate um, complement to your portfolio, you know, as you mentioned in, in the question, I would look at Z Triple B. I think it's very uniquely positioned right now. So it invests in triple B rated uh, Canadian corporate bonds, one to 10 year uh, to maturity. So you are maintaining your investment grade credit exposure. So you're not trending into high yield, but you're also able to maximize your yield and take it, take advantage of the yield premium that you get from triple B rated bonds. And when I look at this compared to ZCB, I actually think it's the perfect trade for this environment. So ZBBB essentially provides the same yield, so basically just over 2% yield, while shortening your duration relative to ZCB by two and a quarter years. So you know, that's quite a bit of interest rate risk that you're taking off the table and you're, you're reducing. And you're, you know, by complementing it from your core fixed income, you are reducing your interest rate ex, uh, risk exposure uh, while maintaining the same yield. So it, it's, a, it's a win-win from that environment because you're still getting that protection from the credit spread uh, and you're reducing your interest rate exposure. So in a rising rate environment, Dead Triple B is a, is a, is a great uh, option here. And I think as a satellite, it achieves both the needs that, that we just discussed as, as to how to navigate this, uh, this current environment. So looking a little bit deeper into ZBBB, um, I continue to see value here as the spread between BBB-rated bonds and A-rated bonds is about 10 basis points wider than we've seen historically, uh, meaning that there is room for further spread compression on the B side versus the A side. So I think there's, there's added value here where you know, we haven't seen you know, these spreads come in as much as, as uh, a higher-rated credit. So I think you can take advantage of that in this environment as well. And then uh, you are going to be taking advantage of the shorter duration, as Mark mentioned, about 4.4 years. So again, when you're adding that complement, you know, you're looking to reduce your, your duration during this period of rising rates. You know, this is a, is a perfect way to do so. You're, you're getting a four-year duration, so still not super, super short because you're, so you're still getting that, that yield premium of some of those, you know, seven to 10-year bonds. But overall, on a portfolio level, you are uh, reducing your uh, duration quite a bit relative to the uh, core fixed income of the universe, which is around eight years. Looking from a sector perspective, uh, B provides a more balanced exposure than ZCB, so that full corporate universe. You know, you don't have the large overweights in financials or infrastructure. You know, those weights are a little bit are spread a little bit more evenly across the sectors, which I think should be beneficial as the economy begins to reopen. Uh, specifically, I think there's a, there is a uh, higher weight, about double the weight in real estate. And you know, real estate's been one of the hardest hit sectors that we've seen during you know, the pandemic and during the work from home. And we've seen credit spreads in, in this sector lag other sectors. So I actually think that that's a positive right now because as we as the economy begins to reopen and workers start to return to normalcy, I think that could provo- provide some strong outperformance um, as spreads continue to come in. I think real estate uh, has a little bit of extra value there, and I think ZBBB can take advantage of that uh, that reopening trade. 
So overall, when I when I think of the current environment, you know, I really want to protect myself from from this rising rate environment. I I, I think Z triple B is a, a perfect complement to your core fixed income, uh, and and I think it really does satisfy all the things you're looking for in a rising rate environment. You you are getting that excess yield. Um, from the corporate bonds, but you're, you're you're talking specifically about a segment of the market that continues to be undervalued, and then you're also reducing your duration. So you're, you're taking less interest rate risk for the same amount of yield, and I think that's a winning trade right now in a, in a uh, rising interest rate environment. So you know that's something that I would look at as a, as a complement to protect yourself right now, rather than you know fully uh, changing your allocation. I think as a satellite strategy. Uh, Z-triple-B would be something that is uh, uniquely positioned for the current market. You are listening to Views from the Desk, a weekly edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. If you're enjoying today's discussion, we encourage you to check out our deep dive episodes where we take you under the hood of BMO Games product suite. Check out episode 62 in this same podcast series where we take a deeper look at the BMO Clean Energy Index ETF, ticker ZCLN or ZClean. Learn about the global trend that's reshaping energy markets and how easily it can be integrated into your client portfolios with long-term growth objectives. Another conversation that we're discussing a fair bit uh, is, of course, around inflation, which hasn't really shown up yet, but feels like it's around the corner when uh, when we get in these advisor conversations. Uh, and a lot of times this turns to a discussion on gold as well as base metals. But we continue to see very divergent returns uh, this year between ZGD, our, our gold miners ETF, and ZMT uh, for base metals. Can you comment on the returns between the two? And what would you think about uh, when you consider an inflation hedge in advisor portfolios. Thanks. Certainly, and as, as you say, you know, diverging return streams um, early here in 2021 uh, for the two, you know, precious metals versus base metals. Um, I would say, you know, likely earlier in 2020 and, and even earlier than that, um, gold really um, accelerated in terms of value and ZGD benefited on, on behalf on, on behalf of that or on the back of that. Um, and so, you know, we, I think we saw that gold rally, most of that gold rally play out already. And now we've seen a little bit of that come off the top, whereas base metals are really just accelerating now. You know, in terms of the, the return drivers between the two, you know, gold obviously being a precious metal, there's not much use for gold outside of being a store of value. Um, because it does endure, it doesn't degrade, um, and that historic sort of store of value element that gold provides. You know, base metals, on the other hand, are used to create stuff, right? Like copper used in um, electrical equipment, um, construction uses, industrial equipment, um, et cetera. So as uh, economic growth activity picks up, you know, manufacturing activity, things like that, you know, base metals and the price of base metals are really tied to that pace of economic growth. And so, you know, when, when economic growth is, is running very hot, those are the conditions where um, you might see inflation take place. And so that's, that's how base metals tie into that inflation story uh, by, by benefit during times of strong economic activity when, when inflation is likely to, um, to, to arise. 
Um, gold, on the other hand, is more of that play on, you know, that negative reason continue to stay somewhat low, um, but inflation starts starts uh, moving ahead, um, real rates, uh, you know, they're, they're actually negative right now and will we'll continue to stay that way if, if that persists. And so gold being more a play on, on that element. So really there's, there's a couple of different things here that you could use and you could use either one of these um, as an inflation hedge in your portfolio. I think the main thing to think about uh, when you're deciding what to use and, and where to use it within the portfolio is that gold really is much less correlated to those broad equity markets. Um, it really does its own thing. And so the gold equities, while a little bit more tied to, to equities because they are equities, um, really does follow that price of gold a little bit more. And so it's a little bit less correlated to your overall portfolio. And so it's a very nice diversifier um, to traditional equities and even fixed income and having um, an allocation to gold generally improves the efficiency of your overall portfolio. Um, ZMT, on the other hand, um, is, a, is, is a lot more correlated to traditional equities. So you will get that um, movement up and down with, with um, the broader equity markets. But again, it's quite responsive, and that's what we're seeing right now to economic activity picking up. And it certainly has done well, as, you know, as we've mentioned, uh, in the back half of 2020 as, as well as early here in 2021. So if you continue to expect economic activity to, to pick up and, and expand, you know, ZMT might be the, the, the place to go. But just, just realize that it is tied um, correlation-wise to the, the rest of your equity portfolio. And if you want that diversification element, the ZGD might be the better way to go. As we do expect, you know, even though, as I said, the top has come off a little bit on the gold um, price, we do expect that to continue to have support going forward over the next couple of years. And so ZGD is a nice diversifier to the overall portfolio. We think makes sense as that inflation hedge. Great. Thanks for that insight, Chris. Really helpful. As I know, uh, there has been some confusion between the two, uh, considering the, the role that they might play as a hedge in portfolios. So at this point, we'd like to check if there are any questions on the line for either Chris or Matt. Yeah, hi there. Thanks for taking my question. Uh, Earlier this week, there was an article in the Globe and Mail where analysts sound the alarm on the impacts of thematic investing and ETFs on on the valuations and liquidity of their underlying uh, securities. Do you think you can comment on this a little bit? Thank you. Sure, I can take that one. And, you know, that article really had a lot to do with, um, you know, obviously thematic investing and, and certain thematic funds having strong outsized returns in 2020 and then the proliferation of ETFs and other investment solutions um, offering exposure to thematics and the amount of money going into these these strategies. Um, I think it really goes back to what I was talking about previously, partnering with someone like MSCI to create that investable risk-controlled solution as a way to uh, gain exposure to a thematic area. Um, I think that article really had a lot of discussion around um, investing in micro caps and very small cap companies, you know, identifying a thematic that might play out over the long term is, is, is one part of the solution. To invest in that area, you also have, have to have an investable liquid solution around that. And, and some thematics you know, really are very, very small industries still. And so the, the companies that are involved in them tend to be quite small cap in nature as well. And so I think for investors and advisors, um, you know, identifying that trend or theme that you want exposure to is only step one. 
Um, step two is understanding how to invest in that in a responsible way and in a risk-controlled way. And so, again, partnering with someone like MSCI that gains um, that that has that history of building investable risk-controlled indices with global equities. You know, I think that's the other part of it: having that global exposure so that you have that diversification. Um, again, is a key element to investing in a thematic over the long term. If you think back to you know 2005, 2006, if you understood the theme of smartphones and how important that role would be going forward, um, you know that that would be again that's the first part of your investment um, decision that would have been the right decision to make. But if you invested in BlackBerry, um, the market leader at the time, it probably wouldn't have worked out as well for you. So. Identifying the theme is really only step one, and it's up to investors and advisors to understand the different investment solutions that are out there, um, and then investing in those, again, in a responsible, diversified way. Um, and I, I think that's really the, the main point that that article was trying to, to, trying to make. Good morning, gentlemen. I know you both spoke about inflation. Just wanted to have... Uh, your views on U.S. tips on the fixed income side. You spoke about the triple B. Uh, is it a nice satellite to have in the portfolio right now? And would you go edge or on edge? And on the equity side, you spoke about global base metal and gold. How about infrastructure? Like you've got ZGI. Could you share your views as a satellite for both fixed income and equity and how to use it now? Thank you. Yeah, I can, uh, I can start on the fixed income side for, uh, for that one. Um, I think right now, uh, U.S. tips is, a, is an ex excellent complement to to combat, you know, I think a lot of the inflation fears that we're, we're seeing uh, in the market and, and that we're forecasting over the, the, the near uh, and midterm. Um, I think looking at the exposure of, of U.S. tips uh, and adding that to uh, your core fixed income portfolio as a complement, Let, you know, let's say approximately 5% of your portfolio. I think what it really does is it, it provides some stability uh, in your portfolio and, and definitely adds um, a little bit of, or, or reduces overall a little bit of volatility over the long term. Uh, you know, we offer a product ZTIP, uh, ZTIP, which is one to five year. And I think right now, actually, this is very, very uniquely positioned um, as a perfect complement for the current market. So, you know, if you looked at the full universe of uh, U.S. tips, you know, you're looking at a, at a pretty long duration and, and you're going to see some negative returns due to that duration impact. So ZTIP being a zero to five year exposure is actually perfect complement because it does, it will reduce your overall portfolio and your overall fixed income duration. So you're reducing your interest rate risk. Um, at the same time, you're still pr you're protecting against uh, inflation, and I think where break evens are right now, I think that's something that's very topical, and I think it would be uh, a very nice complement in, in your traditional fixed income sleeve. From a hedged or unhedged perspective, generally in fixed income, you know I like a hedged exposure. Um, you know, the U.S. dollar, U.S. CAD dollar can can uh, wipe away. Um, can wipe away fixed income returns very quickly, especially in the low yield environment we are right now. So, you know, I would look at, at, at the hedged exposure, which would be the ZTIP.F. And, you know, and it, I think it's prudent to have, you know, let's say a 5% allocation within your core um, to protect against inflation. And, you know, I think that one to five year positioning is actually perfect for the current environment. Thank you. 
I'll just comment on the ZGI there. I think actually that's a great point to make. You know, we talked about ZGD and ZMT as inflation hedges. I think ZGI works um, uh, in that space quite well also. You know, a lot of the uh, companies uh, in in this ETF have long, long long-term contracts um, that generally are tied to inflation. And so as inflation picks up, um, the revenue of these companies uh, involved, you know, would, would pick up as well. Um, but I think, you know, one of the other interesting ways um, that ZGI gives you exposure is, um, you know, it's not just ports and roads and bridges um, that are that are in this um, ETF, but you might notice there's a large allocation to real estate and, and might be wondering what that's about. Um, this is largely um, cell phone tower uh, owners. And so the companies that own the land that cell phone towers are placed on around um, the country and around the world, I guess. Um, and so, you know, as again, we, we talked about previously 5G internet rollout and, and as that um, continues to expand and more investment is placed in building out that infrastructure, um, you know, these companies will tend to benefit from that as well. And the other thing that ZGI would provide is that inflation hedge, but in a much less volatile way. Um, both ZGD and ZMT are, are, are tend to be very volatile um, in terms of the underlying equity exposure that you're getting, you know, probably more volatile than, than what the broad market is, whereas ZGI might be a little less volatile than what the broad market provides and, and is a bit more steady as you go um, type of investment. So I think that works very well as an inflation hedge also. Great. Thanks for those questions. I think with that, we'll wrap it up for today. So I do want to thank everyone for listening in today. We appreciate your time. Uh, and as well, of course, thanks to both Chris and Matt. Appreciate your insights, uh, as well as walking us around some key themes in the marketplace today. Certainly inflation top of mind, but also really good to go over uh, the leading news. Uh, the the Rogers Shaw potential deal that's out there. So once again, just want to thank everyone for joining us uh, and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you to Chris McKinney, Matt Montemiro, and Mark Rays for joining us on the BMO ETFs podcast. Today, our experts highlighted the rise of lowval as sectors like telecommunications and utilities gain prominence in equity markets. To ride the tide, they recommend the BMO Low Volatility Canadian Equity ETF, ticker ZLB. For advisors looking at gold to protect against inflation, consider tickers ZGD or ZMT. For more information about the ETFs discussed in this podcast, check out the episode notes, contact your regional BMO ETF specialist, or visit the Canadian ETF dashboard at bmoetfs.ca. That's bmoetfs.ca. The viewpoints expressed by the portfolio managers represent their assessment of the markets at the time of publication. Those views are subject to change without notice at any time without any kind of notice. The information contained herein is not and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice to any party. Investments should be evaluated relative to the individual's investment objectives, and professional advice should be obtained with respect to any circumstance. Any statement that necessarily depends on future events may be a forward-looking statement. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of performance. Views from the Desk has been brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management.